Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. We're here at Studio Breezy. I am back and we're in person. Hello, Matthew. Wow. It's actually weird to see you in person here. I know. It's it's good. We are here with Mix and Toby, so apologies. They are chewing on some bones filled with, uh, more like licking bones filled with peanut butter, so they're a bit loud. Um, and we are here to review the Maryland game from this weekend and preview uh, lightly the Cal United and up Syracuse games, both upcoming this week. Yeah. Uh, man, where to, where to start? Uh, let's start with the happy, fun uh, rain delay the other night that turned into an <laughs> excellent, excellent time. So Maryland Bobcats come to town. They're in third place in the East after us and the Stars. And we're, we're in first place. Stars are in second. And, and they're coming off a huge win against Cal United. Yes, giving Cal United their first loss uh, of the season, their only loss of the season. And we started out with a rain delay, but I tell you what, it didn't. Uh, it did not peak there because it ended three nothing for the boys in blue. Yeah, I mean, like that's one of those games uh, where I think you could tell that that CFC came out uh, with a lot of intensity, and the Bobcats, you could tell they were traveling after uh, they were traveling and on short we- short rest after expending a lot of energy against Cal United. And, and and really from the first 30 seconds with, you know, the the first shot of the game, like roughly the second 31, uh, and, and Alex McGrath's follow-up at, at 33, like we were we were we were in it to win it. And and we've seen a lot of that this year. Um not so much in the in the first uh the first time we played the Bobcats at home, but in a lot of games this year we've had a big chance early. Or even just a relatively small chance early that someone clinical enough to, to take advantage of it did, and you know, like the the first chance was set the tone, and then Marcus's chance in the sixth sixth or seventh minute, you know, really really set the night away. I think Coach Rod said it well on that first podcast we did with him. You got to make your you got to make your chances count. You can't generate 15 chances and not score one because you give the other team hope, especially when playing possession, when they can't seem to get uh, to the ball, which is definitely, I'm sure, frustrating to play against us as we are very good in possession. And I tell you what, that coming out in that first 30 seconds, pressing the way we did, which was with an insane amount of uh, effort, it felt like, felt like just really, really high intensity from minute one. I thought the midfield looked really, really good with Ian and Alex just pushed up the field the entire time, pressing, pressing, pressing. Like you said, two in the first uh, minute, and then Marcus with a low percentage chance. But if you put it in the absolute corner, goalkeepers gonna have a hard time getting it. Yeah, I mean, Marcus did Marcus did really well there to to take the shot with his left foot, too. with his left foot in a position where the keeper probably wasn't expecting it, um, and he doesn't put it quite quite right in the corner. Uh, keeper does get a get a hand on it, but Marcus is the kind of player that puts a lot of power on that shot. And a, a low, hard shot, even if it's not perfectly in the corner, uh, by the time the keeper got there, his his fingertips only were able just to put it into the side netting. I mean, it's pretty close to the corner. It's it's way towards that side. At least on my phone, in the 16 times I rewatched it on the Nisa <laughs> Instagram page, it certainly looked like it was in the uh, in the side netting. Listen, when you when you when you're a player that's got the quality of Marcus, uh, and you're able to take that shot uh, and, and catch the keeper a little bit. Uh, where he's just not expecting that shot to come, um, and and you put it as close to the corner as he did, you know that keeper can can still get down to it, and can still get a can still get a hand on it, but 
he's not he's not set he's not ready and he's not doesn't have enough en- enough strength or whatever uh because of how just how well marcus hits the ball to be able to, to parry it aside and you know marcus is a good player and good players make plays sometimes definitely um cfc lineup uh, any surprises there um i mean i guess you would say that that playing ale um Ale Hymas at, at right wing is a surprise, considering I don't think he started there once this year. Um, so from from that angle, sure, that's a bit of a surprise. But we've seen him sub in there a little bit, uh, although he mostly subs in as, as one of the eights. We've seen, um, but we've seen we've seen him play a little bit out there, and uh, at times we've seen him really get involved in that right channel, even when he's been playing more centrally. Um, and I, it was nice to see him get a run out. Yeah, I thought he looked. I thought he had a really good game overall. Um, I thought he did a really good job of getting vertical, uh, which is something that Brett Jones does on this team that's really different from the other wingers, uh, other than Taylor. Right? It's Taylor and Brett, and I think one of the reasons it is those two is because they get vertical, and you can see those line splitting balls that go between the right back and the center back. I know I've said in this podcast a bunch of times like that's something I can tell when we're playing well. You see that ball go through or over the top and onto a runner into space. We're playing well, and it's not that we have to be doing that all the time, but when we are clicking, that is happening regularly. And I think we saw that happen quite a bit, mostly with the ball over the top. But either way, we were getting vertical with both wingers, and and it showed uh, in the in Taylor's goal. Yeah, definitely. which is skipping skipping ahead to the third goal. We'll come back to Greg's goal, but you get a ball, uh, you get Taylor into space, and he gets one on one with the keeper, and you know cuts back and just. Not uh, five holes him just right through the legs. Well, we talked about Alex McGrath's chances early. You know that comes from um, that comes from Maryland pushing up pretty high uh, in in possession once they won the the throw in, and and Colin Stripling just does a great job of sending it over the top into space for Taylor Gray. It's a little bit different from how the third goal materialized, where uh, we recovered a ball and then played it into Taylor. Uh, from either either Frankie or, or Dixon, I forget who. Taylor plays a simple pass across to to Ian Saro and then just continues his run. And Ian spots that Maryland's pushed up really, really high, trying to press to get um, you know trying to get one back right before the end of the half, and just plays a great through ball in behind on the ground uh, and, and puts them into and puts them into space. And uh, there are few. There, there are a few worse things for for defenses to do than give Taylor Gray time and space, and um, and he made him pay. Yes, he definitely did. Was that thunder? That was thunder. Oh boy, that's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, and then let's go to Greg's goal, which Taylor's goal was kind of the the cherry on top of the um, top of the cake, so to speak. Greg's goal might have been the most fun goal of the night because the left back charging forward. Megging a guy, go first of all going around a guy, then megging a guy, and then finishing with his right foot one on one with the keeper was fun. Yeah, I was going to take a different approach and say that I don't know what the fuck Maryland's defense was doing there because getting scored on. Number one, he didn't stop the ball, which is why he keeps he keeps looking around like, really, nobody. Okay, I'll just keep going here, um, and then you know when he when he goes around. The the, I think when he goes around the right back, uh, he he sends that thing way too far out in front for himself, and as he's closing, he's 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 at that point he's a defender again. He's closing down the ball 
because he's lost possession of it. And I want to point out clearly he didn't lose possession of it. We'll get there. And and then it comes to it comes to, to Brandon Clegg and the guy who scored the uh, the goal, absolute banger against us, uh, which that was took deflected. a deflection. I told you. Keep uh, going. And and Clegg goes to clear it, and his clearance clips his other foot, and that's how he fives holes five holes himself. And Greg just kind of like runs onto it and then slots it, slots it past the keeper. He went around. Um, he went around a player and made the player. I will hear nothing different, despite the calamity of errors. Uh, yeah, he was the probably the most surprised person on the field that he was one on one with the goalkeeper. Yeah, and you know what? It didn't matter because a lot of players would miss that because you're one on one with the keeper at a little bit of a an awkward angle. And he went near post with his right foot. And oh yeah, I'm gonna point out our left back uh, who's left footed going going near post with his right foot is just beautiful. Yeah, especially because the other left back is right footed. Uh, it's. <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I want to skip back to Academy Night. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of children's there, and it was really fun to see. that. I felt like, I don't know how many were there to initially, but if there was more than that that didn't stick around, I mean, I don't know how many kids that we have in this Academy, but it's a lot. I remember Academy Night from last year and how many kids were lined up on the field at halftime. And this time around... There were more. It felt to me and like I mean, double. Like, and there were more hours after, like with a two-hour delay in there. Yeah. No, it, it felt to me like double. I know it really wasn't double, but it felt like. I mean, there was just so many. And it was, you know, it was more COVID last year, so maybe people were less like likely to come out. But it really, I know the Academy has grown some, and it really felt like I really felt the numbers in the Academy. It was stretched one end of the field to the other, and it, they just kept coming. How long did it take them to get down there? Like, it felt like... It five took, set to seven minutes like just to get them time, out yeah. of the stands and onto the field, which is a an eternity when you're just watching them file in. Yeah, I mean it, it was fantastic, and and I love, I love that the academy is, um, uh, I love the academy is growing, and and that, um, I saw that um, that Coach Rod did a did a presentation for some of the academy coaches, um, uh, in the office maybe. I don't know if it was if it was Monday uh, of this week or if it was it was the week prior, but like it was really, I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, the integration between the academy and and the club, um, and then oftentimes the academy is one of the outside of like a, a CFC game day, the academy is one of the best ways to to have the club be in the community. Uh, for for a lot of people, it's people's only outside of game day. It's their only access point. Sure, um, and. It was just really, really cool to see, um, you know, the kids, the kids felt up for it. Uh, they, you know, they were loud in, in their, in their corner of the stadium. Uh, they were really into it at halftime, uh, you know, joining in with the Chattas and Nugas. Uh, it was just really, really awesome. And I hope we see, you know, obviously the, the, some of the Academy kids have like, have their own tournaments on, on, on the weekends. And some of them are, are to the point where they travel a little bit, um, for some things. So. It's uh, you know, I, I'd love to see more of them at at, at games and and more of them being ball kids and, and and you know banging on drums sometimes and stuff like that, uh, in 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 the future. Yeah, I agree. Poor Toby, you can probably hear him walking around in this. is very very nervous. The thunder is uh, making him shake like a like a washing machine on the spin cycle. Um, so Matthew, what did we do well in this game? Um. 
I thought we got vertical well. Uh, I think that uh, if you remember the the away Maryland Bobcats game, uh, I thought we got vertical well in that game. Although the, the conditions were absolutely horrid, uh, and we got called back for a bunch of offsides this time around, just like we did in the away game. Um, but like you saw the beginning of us getting vertical a lot, and it felt I I think there at points we felt like that's gone away in the last month. Yes. And I thought we got we did really well getting back to that in this game. Now part of that is Maryland's got an athletic goalkeeper. They play a pretty athletic style in general. They hype they they press a little bit, but they keep um uh, they keep their defensive line pretty high. So there's going to be more space in behind. And I thought we were able to uh when we weren't being called for offside, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. Uh, I felt like we did a good job of being able to exploit that space in behind. Uh, I thought we, I mean, like, thought we took our chance as well. Uh, all, actually, that's not true. I think we took some of our chance as well. And I think we really... Well, that's how things even out. Yeah, I, I really I really think that there were a couple chances we should have done a lot, lot better with. Like, this game could have finished 5-0. Uh, it also probably legitimately could have finished 5-2, 5-3. Bobcats had some chances in this game. Um you know, they register as 10 shots none, and none on target. I mean, looking at, at Jed's um, breakdown here, I have some bones to pick with how my eyes saw it versus how his statistics read it. But I think what you do see in that is that good players finish chances. And we finished chances and then we stayed up and didn't, you know, we, we definitely stayed open, but we weren't pressing to get more goals after we were up 3 nothing. And so you see the Bobcats chances kind of accumulate a little bit there and there's the one giant chance that gives them the bulk of their xg i mean it's basically a quarter of their xg from that one header early in the second half so but i don't feel like um i don't think we were ever in danger i think one of the things that felt like we were we were much more better than they were is because of how many offsides we were getting called we were very dangerous and i think like feeling wise if i'm thinking about how i was feeling watching the game we felt very dangerous the whole game, in part because we kept getting unjustly called back for offsides. Yeah, I. If I had a criticism to make, it's that in the second half, the I refer- felt the referee can't stay in line. <laughs> I did, I did levy that criticism during the game, uh, but like for for the team broadly, I think that we were a little too open for being up three zero in the second half, and. Against a better team, against like a Cal United type team, I think that has the recipe of of being potentially a problem. Uh, if that makes sense, they I, are. They're just. I mean, like the the losing to the Bobcats aside, where they were, where both teams were pretty darn inept uh, for that that entire game. The Cal United Bobcats, Cal, yeah, Cal United's just generally uh, in in the first half of their season. They've been clinical. Uh, they've been stingy at the back. Uh, they've been good in possession. And these are the types of things that if you, if we play an open game with them, at some point, they've got some, they've got some really good players. And those players in an open environment are going to be able to make some plays. And, and we'll just, we're just going to have to be better about that, I think, on, on, on Wednesday night. Sure, sure. I, 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 I agree with that completely. Um, that the Bobcats came out and played a really, really physical game, uh, and I thought we did a decent job uh, normal. dealing with that. I thought the referee didn't, um, but I thought we did. And I and I have a, 
I have a reason I think we came out so on fire. I don't know if you've watched the one minute, 13 second uh, highlight package that's out on Instagram. And I, no, I'm sorry, YouTube. I think it's probably out on Instagram too. Yeah. I, saw it, I saw it from Twitter, I think. Coach Rod's um, speech about every game is a statement game, essentially, or message game, I think he said. Message game. I got chills, man. And I think the boys did too because they came out right after that for a long rain delay with what looked like they drank four Red Bulls. <laughs> I mean, they were just on absolute fire. And I hope we come out uh, on fire against Cal on um, on Wednesday because we have a chance to blitz them. But also I do hope we are a little bit more um, choosy in our, well, just a little bit. I think uh, maybe a little part of it, and I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but I wonder if we were a little bit, we had a little bit less respect for the Bobcats. We're up three, nothing. And so maybe we weren't making the sharpest choices. Cal United, we're going to have to be making sharper um, defensively. Just like you said, I mean, as you laid it out. So we'll see. It, this will be the big test. I mean, the East, and I have this in our notes. I talk about the East versus the West. Like, and let's just kind of move on to Cal United. Like the, the East versus the West thing, it appears that the West is a significantly better conference um, talent-wise. Now, I don't know that's, that that's actually true for sure, but it certainly appears that way. Um, there's the stars are very good, and it'll be they, they lost to Cal United one nothing. Um, the, they are very tough to play against, but outside of that, like Syracuse on their night is tough to play against, but they are very up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, Flower City is terrible, and the Bobcats have some talent there that make them a problem because when Darwin Espinal is on. He is one of the probably five best players in the league, and he he can change a game, right? That's the reason we drew with them. We didn't beat them. We should have beat them two nothing, and that was in our little our streak when we were still figuring it out. And he's he hit the post. He he created their only two chances for the entire game, right? But he can do that against anybody. I mean, he just did it against Cal United, right? So, but the Bobcats are not that good. The uh, bo- the Bobcats' problem has been guys like Darwin Espinal and Elijah Amo. And Davey Mason really are, are you know, three of their best players, and when they went through their bad patch, which coincided with playing us at their place in the beginning of May, uh, they didn't have some of those players, and it makes it tough for them. Uh, Bobcats are back and healthy now, and uh, you know I, I think it's, I think one talking about Cal United a little bit here for the preview. One of the things that makes life in this league tough is travel. And, uh, you know, Cal United flew across the country to play the Bobcats last Wednesday night. And, you know, they looked they looked flat. They looked tired. Uh, a bunch of players got subbed at halftime in a nil-nil game uh, because they were going to play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. And that's tough. And, and they might be playing on the weekend after, after they leave Chattanooga. I don't know. Um, but that, that makes things tough. And so you've got like to include rotation. You've got to include, uh, oh, and they hadn't played, you know, they played an independent cup game like a week before that, but, or a week and a half before that, but you know, it, it had been probably the end of June since their last regular season game. Um, you know, Bobcats had to, had to play Cal United, expend a lot of energy for that game. They needed that victory. Um, and you know, then they come down, they bust down to the Chattanooga and, you know, they look a little tired, a little bit um, out of sorts. And now, now we'll see what happens with Cal United. They flew across the country. They played Bobcats. They went to Michigan to play Michigan Stars. Two very, very physical matchups for them. 
And now they're going to turn around and play in Chattanooga with their third game in eight days, all on the road, all including travel, against a team that is good at pressing, good at possession, and can get vertical on you and put you into space. That is not an easy thing to do, even for what is, let's just say it, one of the two best teams in this league. I mean, by record, they are the best team in the league because they only have one draw and one loss, and we have three draws and one loss. This is this is why this game is so important. Um, they do have 10 days off, to answer your question, before their next game they play Albion. That's good. Uh, this It's really hard to judge, and the reason that this game is, I think, so so big for us, it's really hard to judge who in this league is actually good. So it's clear that Syracuse is very... I mean, sorry. It's clear that Syracuse is up and down. It's clear that Flower City is terrible. Yeah. Um, Albion has only played eight games. I don't know if they're good or not, and it's real tough to tell because the sample size is so small. Bay Cities, who we kicked the ever-loving shit out of, are in second place in the West. Are they good? Are they not? LA Force, don't look now, but other than playing Cal United recently, has four um, useful results in a row. Two ties, I'm mean, sorry, four of the last five. Two ties, two wins, and a loss. Kind of getting it together. Believe one of those ties is against us. They're, because they've barely played in the last month as well. They are very talented, at least. Um, they lost to, um, <laughs> at, at Great Park, they lost to Cal United 5 nothing. Oh, um, uh, right after they played us, too. So I don't know if they're good or not, but I have a feeling that last place Los Angeles Force is a lot better than both Flower City Union and Syracuse Poles. Sorry, Syracuse. Um, and, well, and, 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 and maybe a lot better than Maryland Bobcats. What I don't know is, is Albion very good? Because if they're not, if Albion's not very good, and Bay Cities, who I think is just not that good either, okay, you take them, if, you, if neither one of them are very good, yeah, the West may not be that much better than the East overall. You have you have one really terrible team that makes it feel like everybody else is, is worse. Because the, the Michigan Stars are good. Um, they're a pain to play against, and their record shows it. Like They got 23 points. They're in second place. Um, they are 6-5-3. and three. Like, they have they have eleven useful results. They they are in third place overall. So like after after us and after um, Cal United. So like warm, this is a really big matchup for East versus West, and uh, the rest of our schedule gets rough. Yeah, it gets really it gets really hard from here compared the, to the our Albion, previous schedule. The Albion eight eight games played is a little bit of a is a little bit of a misnomer just because of the Valley United situation. Um. Albion and Valley, I think, had played three games to this point. Uh, all of those games are thrown out now. Uh, just like our draw against Valley United has been thrown, was originally credited to, credited as a win via forfeit, and has now been thrown out entirely. Um. So, uh, and it it is really hard to know. Uh, how what are, what are Bay City's points on right now? Bay City's has. 15 points. Albion, they, Albion has... Albion has 12. Albion looks with four less games played. Yeah, so... Albion is... So Albion is 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. So they have three wins, three draws, two losses. So that's a pretty good record. Uh, Bay Cities is four wins, three draws, and five losses. Two of those losses being to us. Yeah. I, I You got to think that Albion's probably the second best team in the West right now. Um, just because... You've got your three points down with four games in hand. Like they're gonna almost certainly uh, move up on base cities like that. 
Um, it's just going to be really, it's going to be a wild stretch of, of two months here. You know, we play, we'll play Albion twice. We'll play Cal United twice. We'll play LA Force once. Uh, we'll play Flower City. Once and Syracuse Just once. once. Just once more. We'll play Syracuse just once And we'll once play LA more. Force once. We'll play Michigan Stars three times. Oh, yeah, Michigan Stars three times. That's the one I was forgetting. You know, we get Bobcats one more time. We're playing We're playing the first, the team that's first in the West, the team we think is second best in the West, even though they're not currently second, twice. So each one of them twice. That's four games against the top two in the West. Plus we, the plus the other the, the the next best team after us in the East is three times like that's yeah. seven of our of our remaining eleven. It's consistent. The, this the the level of the teams we're going to play over the next half of the season is much higher than the level of the teams we played in the first half of the season because we played Flower City and Syracuse a bunch. So now we got to see like what we're really made of. Um, I we are nine and one. No, sorry, yeah, nine and one in our last ten games essentially. League games. No, we have a we have a draw, don't we? In there, one draw. Yeah, we're nine one and one in our last eleven league games. I I hope we finish our next nine at, on a similar pace. But we, I, we need to if if we want to host, if we want to give ourselves a chance to host the playoff final, the NISA final this year. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep pace and and arguably keep pace on, uh, on Cal United's pace, not where. Not where we are. Correct. We control today. our we control our own destiny here, but boy, it's going to be tough. Oh yeah, because we've. I mean, if you look at what we what happened with Michigan Stars, we tied. L.A. Force, we tied. We haven't played Cal United. We haven't played Albion. We'll see what happens. But these are just tougher, tougher um, teams to play. So, continuing to look at, I don't have a lot else to add to that Cal United thing other than I am terribly nervous and also really excited because I I think also. Let's say we go. Let's say we go out there and just be realistic. We win two nothing, and it's a just a good performance. I'm gonna feel a lot better, even though it doesn't matter how I feel now. It matters how we finish. I'm gonna feel a lot better about the rest of the season, rather than if we go out and lose two nothing. You know. Yeah, I, I think I, I will obviously feel better about about where we stand going forward. Uh, and and if people need a reason to come out like to to that game, even though it's on a, on a weeknight, this is these are. This is your best chance to watch the probably the two best teams in this league. I mean, this is to to date. This is the game. This is the biggest game we've had in our. Uh, probably the biggest game we've had in our pro history, at least in the regular season. Um, you could argue the Legends Cup final was was a bigger game because it, it was a it was a cup trophy. It was, uh, and the playoff game against LA Force was also bigger. But those that's a playoff game in a a quote unquote cup. So yeah, yeah so regular like, season. I mean, this is this is a and probably honestly the biggest regular season game in club history, amateur included, because those biggest games were in the playoffs. So playoffs? No, we had some we had some really big games against uh, the Silverbacks and against International in years that they were really good. So I'm not going. I'm not saying it can't be, but I'm that's a little far. This is this is, for me. This is the biggest one. Um, it's it by far the by far the biggest one. It just this is. We've, this you is forget, going to determine. You forget how favored we were to win national titles when we were an amateur team. You haven't. We haven't been good in a while, so you've forgotten what it's like to have expectations. We used to have expectations when we lost a single game in an NPSL season. We got really upset because we weren't going to host then the national final. We're back to that feeling, and you've just forgotten how that feels. Uh, yeah. Sorry. This and this thing matters. It does. It, it matters, certainly it does. matters more to me. 
I I I don't think it because does. let's be honest. You want to talk about coasting a playoff final? If you if we don't win this game, it is going to be incredibly hard, and like probably near, near need to run the table hard to be able to get back in a position no. to host a playoff. Final. No, no, that you have no way to say that. There's not two games left in the season. They're, we don't know what Cal United is going to do. They might run the table as they've been, or if you want to go look at their record, let me tell you who the teams they beat and how they've beat them. Uh, so they drew with Bay Cities, 0-0, first game of the season. Then they smashed some U.S. Open Cup team. Then they won 2 nothing. Then they won 1-2. to That's in the Open Cup against FC Tucson. So let's get now, Bay Cities, they beat them 4-3. They, they beat the Pulse, 1-0. They beat Flower City, 2-1. They beat... Bay Cities 1-0. They beat Flower City 1-0. They beat Michigan Stars 2-0. Okay, that's a very good win. Uh, they beat Albion 3-0. They beat LA 5-0. Okay, there's a couple good wins. They lost to Maryland 1-0, and they just beat Michigan Stars 1-0. Those are not convincing dominant wins that make me think Cal United is for sure going to go undefeated the rest of the season. They might, but... They are not near. If you want to compare ours to those, we have a lot more big wins, like by large score margins. There's a reason we have 30 goals for, and they have 20, whatever it is. I know we played Flower City a bunch, but the both of these teams, us and them, are likely to drop points going forward. Cal United runs the table. Obviously, that's true, but we have nine game, nine league games left. Did we say? Uh, I think it's closer to 10 or 11. Okay, so let's let's pretend it's 10. Just and this will help your. This will help my argument or help I, I, 10 games is a lot to go uh 10 wins in a row and i just don't think we lose one and we're done it's 11 games okay so it's, if there's 11 less we lose one we're done now that being said we may not control our own destiny if we lose but actually we don't control our own destiny anyway we, we do control our own destiny we wouldn't if we lost um but i don't think any team has to go undefeated to host and by the way if we have to go undefeated we're not hosting <laughs> there's just no I mean, when I say undefeated I mean all wins there's just no way we take 33 of the next 33 points I hope I'm wrong I hope the boys prove me wrong but this is a massive game but this is far from this 10 game 9 10 game stretch in September and October sorry August, August and September. September is the thing that defines the season but we're going to drop some points in here inevitably and so will so will Cal United the question is can we stay can we stay good? But this I, one I game, would like to. This one game does not. If we lose this, we are not destined to not host. I would. That's like a ridiculous to statement. Very much uh, help Cal United drop some points on Wednesday night. Oh, I'm just as attached to this game as you are, and I'm going to be so upset and sad and terribly um, down if we lose. But I just it, this one has less significance um, on playoff hosting because they're not going undefeated. The other games are going to matter a lot too. We shall see. I keep using undefeated as a, as for all threes. They could go undefeated, but there'd be a lot. There'd be some draws in there. We shall see. All right, Syracuse. The following game. So we head straight to Syracuse uh, on Friday or Saturday, and we play on Sunday. Away game after two tough home games uh, in Maryland and and Cal. Um, don't know how the Cal game is going to go. Maryland definitely kicked us a lot. Um, so I can't imagine we are fully healthy, though I didn't see anybody go off with an injury, but uh, Richard went down several times and did not like that. Um, also, Rod, make some fucking subs a little earlier, dude. Like, <laughs> don't leave Richard out there to get kicked by people who don't know how to play soccer. 
and or who are just like headhunting and you know come on man <sighs> um yeah how you feel about that Syracuse game uh I feel good uh it's going to be I I worry a little bit that you know we'll we'll come off of Cal United and either we'll be elated with a big victory and like feeling great like totally in first place uh, maybe maybe we're a little bit down and sad and big letdown um, in a draw. I don't really know how to talk about draws. Um, probably depends on, on how the draw happens is how we feel about it. Um, but like Syrac- the, Syracuse is going to be tough. Like it, it, the first time against Syracuse when they, when they first came down, you know, they had they had some some really bad travel issues and like didn't get in, didn't even practice the day before that game, and we ran over them. And each of the next two times, once at our place, once at their place, they were incredibly hard to play. They really, uh, it's not surprising. It's not, it's exactly what we thought would happen facing Coach Fuller is that he would set up that team a lot like how CFC set up in 2021 to play against Rod Stumptown and let them pass the ball around the back, let them make mistakes and try to pounce on those mistakes and control the game from there. Um, I thought, you know, th- those, those two last games were, were fairly even, I would expect a fairly even game as well. Um, and I, I think, I think we have the quality and I, I know we have the quality on this team, uh, and, and even the better quality to be able to take the chances that we're given and do something with them. I think that's been pretty apparent throughout 2022 is that there's just more quality on this team. That, you know, you don't need to create the Greg Stratton uh, 0.95% chance goal or whatever. Or, or not you even mean the, not, ta- the tap the in tap on in. the... You don't need to create that all the time, although it's very nice and it helps. You can have a guy like Marcus just, you know, rise and fire and from, from distance uh, to put the team on his back. Or, you know, someone like Alex McGrath make a big pressing play and and then cross the ball for someone like Taylor to finish to win to win an independent cup game. You've got some serious quality on this team. And I imagine it's going to be some serious quality in, in some individual brilliance that would be the difference in in that Syracuse game. And frankly, in that Cal United game too. You know, two to go back for a second, two good teams going at it. You know, is it gonna be an Omar Nuno or a Tony Lopez or a Christian Tierjung? Or is it gonna be a Marcus Nagelstad? Brett Jones, Taylor Gray, Alex McGrath, Ian Cero. Yeah. It's gonna it's probably gonna have to be some a little bit of brilliance. Hey, that is Greg Stratton striker erasure, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, I can't I still can't believe he came up from left back to score with his right foot. Um so uh And by the way, he's gonna be pretty fresh, uh, because he got something at halftime. Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, welcome back, Travis Ward. Yeah, left back, a little bit of a left back war here going on, and I love it because I think having depth at left back is not something we've had in a very long time unfortunately. So it's nice to have that again. And they provide two different looks. Greg's a better defender and a solid everything else. And Travis Ward's a better attacker and not quite as good a defender. So it will be interesting to see if um, the, what, how Rod sets it up. If Rod just goes Travis Ward to begin with and says, you know, Travis is back. Or if he goes, you know, Greg in the first half, Travis in the second half, or tries to go Travis in the first half and then bring in Greg for, although he doesn't really make one thing he does not do is make tactical substitutions for defense. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what, what happens there. I also want to point out the goal scoring table, um, according to the NISA website, which the NISA website apparently tracks shots, um, which might be the most inaccurate thing I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, only if they're logged. Um, yeah, no, this is the most inaccurate thing I've ever seen in my life because it has Marcus with 14 total shots and 13 goals. It's good efficiency, Marcus. Good job. Um, it's just it's just dumb. But they do have uh, goals and assists. So we, because I guess the all the top goal scorers except for Marcus and Taylor have stopped scoring. Uh, Marcus has 13. Taylor has six. Hey, that's right, actually. He does have 13 in the league. Yeah, they got it right this time. Cool. Uh, Marcus has 13 goals and four assists. Um, which it puts him second in assists and first in goals. Um, only Steven Yunkai, who has five assists, has more. And uh, uh, hang on, David how Mason many, has how four many? Assists. How many assists does uh, given Marcus? Four. <laughs> That's wrong. He has five. No, he has six. All right, so Marcus leading the league in assists and goals. Yeah, uh, thirteen goals and. And where I was going with this is Taylor has six. So one thing I said in the preseason um, that I was very, very nervous was pre-signing Marcus. Um, but I was still nervous, uh, even once we came into the season, is what was our second NISA-proven scorer? Who was the second player? Because you can't, if you're, if you're reliant completely on one player, and by the way, if you looked at our stats, you might think we were, right, with Marcus with 13 goals, um, you're going to be in trouble. And we are not reliant on one player because uh, Taylor Gray has consistently proven me wrong that he's a, he can score, and I love it. He has six goals on the season, now tied for second, and it is it is possible. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not trying to jinx anybody, but we could, if they continue to score both of them, finish the season with the first and second or first and third or first and fourth or whatever, you know, two of the top five goal scorers in the league. And if you finish two of the top five goal scorers in the league, for example, you're going to be pretty good. Yeah, so I just pulled up, I pulled up my stats here, which are more accurate than Nisa's, and I think here's an interesting thing. We have three players right now with double-digit goal contributions. That's a goal, an assist, or a hockey assist. And you can only ever have one per goal. What's a hockey assist? The secondary assist. The, the pass before the pass. Um, so, uh, you know, Marcus has got 20 right now. Uh, 20 goal contributions. Taylor Gray has 11 goal contributions. Alex McGrath has 10 goal contributions with his assist for Marcus uh, from Saturday night. Yeah. And now that, that includes the Open Cup. Um, and and that also includes the Independent Cup because it's just one game and I'm not going to separate it out. Uh, that's that's good. I mean, like Brett Jones is sitting there with eight right now. Yeah. Uh, and Ian Sarah's at six. So this is the first time in a very long time we've had a very good offense. It's it's entirely possible we finish the season uh with five players and double digit goal contributions. If you include secondary assists, yeah. 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 I mean, like if you think about it, the the Ian Saro assist for Taylor Gray's goal, um, the third goal of the game against the Bobcats, that was only his second primary assist of the season. Wait, say that again? Ian Saro's assist. The one to, for, ta- to Taylor? To Taylor Gray for the Bobcats. Was only his second primary assist of the season. With his only other one coming in the Open Cup game against Memphis. Also for Taylor Gray. Interesting. How many secondary assists do you have? Only two. I think where you find... He, I think he also played the ball in... Did he play the ball in that Travis hit, or sorry, that Nick hit and then Travis scored in the Open Cup as well? I believe that's one of his hockey assists, yeah. 
Interesting. Uh, he's he's had he's been dangerous is what I was where he, I was going he, with that. So so where Ian's one of those players that he's got a couple goals as well. That's why he's got he's got two goals, two assists, two hockey assists. But one of his, um, if you look at if you look at uh, like him and and Alex McGrath both playing as eights, oftentimes uh, Ian is making plays a little bit deeper in the field than say someone like Alex McGrath. Uh, just because you know he plays he plays the midfield a little bit differently, and so I think you would show up and we don't track this this far back, but if you were looking for like who makes the third assist on shot opportunities, I think you'd see Ian a little bit more popping up. Yeah, just the the deeper you go, he's got a little bit of that um, Juan Hernandez and Cam Woodfin thing from a few years ago, where if they weren't making, we had a full season, maybe two. I think it was twenty nineteen was one of them, where if one of them wasn't making the primary assist or the hockey assist, we weren't scoring. Oh, that was twenty nineteen. So I think there's a little bit of Ian Cero in that. Maybe you go back a pass, but when he and I don't think it's like it's not quite as pronounced, right? We're not not scoring because Ian doesn't make the pass, but he is involved in a lot of our danger, whether it's the uh, recycle or it's the, it's the pass before the pass before the pass. Like he's, he's a dangerous, uh, he makes a lot of, Ian's kind of an up and down player. He has some, some times where he disappears from the game for a while, but then he pops up with a pass that no one else no is one going else, to no make. One else, no one else can play. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's the reason like he's kind of a nailed, I think, I think at least in my mind, that's the reason he's the nailed down starter at the right eight. At the right side at eight. Yeah. I mean like if I, if I go through starting lineups this year, I don't think he's missed one. Except for the Independent Cup game, yeah, it's a it's a good point. So uh, to go back to Syracuse, I am nervous for Syracuse because it's kind of their Super Bowl every time they play us. There's five five former connected players to us. There's our former coach. Um, they want to beat us. It's very clear, very very clear. And they're on their night. They are the third or the fourth best team in NISA. They're just really inconsistent. They're, they're also going to be well rested. Uh, they didn't they didn't travel to California. Uh, they had they had three games scheduled out in California. They didn't travel at all. Uh, they postponed all those games, and they're going to be well well rested. They'll have a couple weeks to to practice. We know Coach Fuller, uh, and I've not talked to him, so I don't know this, and and he wouldn't tell me anyway. But like, I wouldn't be shocked if he put in another wrinkle, because um, he likes doing that, especially when, yeah, he's playing the team that fired him and the coach that replaced him. So. There, I, He's going to want to win this game more than any other game, and and I'm I would not be shocked if there's another wrinkle in in the in his technical plan, uh, that something a little bit different that we haven't seen yet that makes it a little bit harder, uh, and takes a while to figure out. Like that's that's pretty common for him, and um, it'll it'll be a tough game. It'll be a really tough game. I agree. I agree. Well, um, yeah. All that said, I think. I am coming in very excited from the weekend. Um, the rain delay was actually fun in the concourse. We didn't even mention that. Um, playing drums and singing and and really a lot of people sticking around. I was really, that's probably the most encouraging part of the game is everyone, it felt like everyone stuck around. I'm sure some people went home, but it felt like everyone stuck around. And yeah, now we come into the two most, the most important game of the season so far at Cal United. And at the end of the season, it may have been our most important game that we play them at their place. And that's probably going to be more important depending on what happens. But yeah, I'm really excited. I can't wait for Wednesday. And I don't know if we'll get a player pod out um, this week or next week. We'll see how scheduling kind of goes with the guys having to travel to Syracuse and whatever else. But uh, if you're listening still at this point, thank you for listening. We love you and we'll catch up with you soon.